Hi, diddly ho, neighborinos. It's Tyler. This is Danny. We're the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned to talk about horror movies. This week will be Killers. Not the rom-com. <laughs> no. And not, I think there was a, like, 1997, 1998, like, thriller slash suspense like on the edge of horror movie possibly that i think had a really bad video sequel that was straight up horror also called killers i don't think i'm completely off on that also not that one (laughs) we're going killers from the mo brothers if you've listened to other episodes you've heard us bring them up before but we'll get more into that in a little bit the most important part of this Maybe not the most important part. Watching oh, no, the movie is kind of, of important. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there's a big bad reason we're here also. And that's to get stoned. Danny, what is this joint that you brought me for our green hits today? Awesome. Well, this is another one of those joints I've brought over before, and I'm sure you have as well. But I went by Flower, our local dispensary, and picked up a pack of lemon lava. And with that being said, this is a sativa-dominant hybrid strain. It's a 60-40% split. And with that being said, it is crossed using the delicious lemon heads and lava cake strains. Now, because it's named for its delicious flavor, this is the perfect bud for any sativa lover. It has, of course, citrusy, fruity, lemon, sour, and sweet flavors, along with earthy, grape, lemon, and sour aromas. The THC ranges somewhere in the low 28% over at Flower. If you look it up on like All Bud or, mm-hmm. you know, Leafly, it shows like in the upper teens, low 20s. So once again, Flower does a really good job with getting you some really high numbers. Hell yeah. Now with what I brought you today, I was just thinking about it. And I'm pretty sure the last time I brought Jay's, I brought the same thing. <laughs> Because there's been some times lately I haven't been able to get J's. It's Solid been like, time. show up. It's all sold out. Goddamn wreck people. It's You're okay. They're, it for us. they're paying that higher price. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They're paying for it. So, whatever. Anyway, so I think I brought this over, or brought this the exact last time that I actually was able to bring a J and not just like load a fucking bowl for you. Anyway, the strain is Zen Master. It is a cross between Master Kush and White Cookies. Master Kush is just bred from some different land race Kush strains. Very Cushy. Sort of just standard Kush. You know Kush? You like Kush? It's Kush. (laughs) The other side of that, White Cookies, kind of what you would guess from the name. Girl Scout Cookies mixed with White Widow. Overall, definitely Indica Dominant Strain. I've enjoyed it in the past. I know you were mentioning off air that you've been smoking on it this week as well anyway. So, yeah, I love this strain. It's a really good one for Indica's. And I will say this because I do like Indica's. It's not one that's too heavy like it'll put you to sleep. It's for me it's a nice one that just kind of puts me in the zone. It's a nice relaxer. Yeah. It makes you zen. Uh, we will mention right now, please go check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fried squirms. Even down at the $1 a month level, you could have got this episode a week early. You know what that means? For shit like last week, you get the episodes on time for holidays. Dude, I know. And here in studio, we're two days away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're on Patreon, you're right on time. If you're not... You're going to be sitting there wondering why we dropped a 420 episode a week late. It's like those slackers are like, well, no, not this time. No, we were on it. 
It's just you got to get on that one dollar $1 a month. Look at Twelve dollars a year. Thank you. It's like just not even a quarter of my snack money right. for the that, week that. <laughs> for today. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> we got other levels. We got other stuff coming out. Whenever we go check out horror movies in the theaters, we put up shit. You can get all that sort of things up on our three dollar level. Up at the five dollar level, shit, you'll get a fucking sticker, bro. At least I think you get a sticker. Do I get? Did I get a sticker? I gotta check my. I don't check my mail often enough. I signed up just to make sure that you get the sticker, but then I haven't checked my mail. Right on. So, hopefully you get the sticker. <laughs> Double checking all that. But even if you're not interested, we'd highly re- like appreciate it if you went. We have a poll on there to find out what kind of shit you guys would be interested in. What would you want to see in a Patreon from the Fried Squirms? Yeah, hit us up. Let us know. Let us know. Patreon.com slash fried squirms. I'm over that. I need to smoke some more weed. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to hit you with the guts and bolts for killers. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler free. Start off with your spoiler-free setup for this movie in case you've never seen this before and want to know what this shit's about. Ooh, this is a tough one. A lonely man hung up on a tragedy involving his sister and his past reaches out to another man who he knows is a fan of the work he produces, and their relationship becomes more entangled and more dark. That's kind of the funny way to put it. <laughs> Because Look, I think even the trailer gives away that, like, this is serial killers we're talking <laughs> about, so... Well, I mean, the name itself kind of implies some mm-hmm. things, you know, and the fact that you're trying to do it spoiler-free, I think you did a good job without, you know, treading into any kind of murky waters. So, of course, we do like talking about the who, which includes our cast and crew, of the films that we review. And this week are a couple of guys we've talked about in the past. They happen to be called the Mo Brothers, and I'm talking about Timo and Kimo, Timo Joyanta and Kimo Stumble. Now, together, we reviewed their film Macabre back on episode 69. Shout out to Rumadara. Wow. The episode of ours that keeps giving gets the most random hits consistently out of on all Instagram. of our fucking episodes. It's wild. I mean, I think it's really neat. It's, it speaks volumes of what people think about this film, so... It's nice seeing that. We have other episodes that have more listens, but this one is the most consistent. Yeah. Like every month, somebody randomly is like, likes it. Rumadara. Yeah, I'm like, Rumadara. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Man. Says a lot. So together, they have worked also on the short Dara, which led to Macabre slash Rumadara. They're also responsible for the short segment Dara and the Takut. Faces of Fear, and they also directed Headshot together. Now, Timo, we actually talked about him separately on episode 214 when we did the ABCs of Death, and his segment was L is for Libido. Now, I did want to bring up full a couple. Length. We need full know, length. Oh, dude. There's a couple other things I did want to bring up that he directed on his own, and those projects include VHS Part 2. He did the segment Safe Haven which he co-directed with Gareth Evans, Ooh. which is really neat. All right, he also directed May the Devil Take You, 
The Night Comes for Us, May the Devil Take You Too. He also did the segment The Subject for VHS 94. And he's got a couple of other projects upcoming. Some of them are in pre-production, so it's pretty cool. I've heard people talk up the first VHS before. I've still yet to see it. Do you know if, like, 2 and 94 are supposed to be as good as the first? I mean, I know it's anthology, but... right. Honestly, I'm not quite sure. I hate to say yeah. yeah or nay. I haven't really heard anything okay. either way. I really don't know. Just while we were talking about it, I thought I'd ask. I know. <laughs> I know. I've been kind of curious about those for a while. I know we've kind of rumbled about it in the past. All right. Now, Kimo Symbol, we talked about him on episode 204. He directed The Queen of Black Magic. That was the 2019 version. He's also responsible for the film Dread Out and the film Ivana Van Dyck. All right, now the writers on this happen to be Timo Juyanta and Japanese guy Takuji Yushiyama. Now, uh, Takuji, he's known for the films Last Love, First Love, another film entitled About Love. He did the segment Tokyo. He's also responsible for Way of Blue Sky and The Longest Night in Shanghai. All right, the cinematographer on this is Gunnar Nempunu. Uh, he's responsible for the films Ritual, The Night Comes for Us, and May the Devil Take You Too. All right, the editor on this is Arifin Marhan Japri. This is really the only film I know from them. We have two different people who compose the music on this, and we've actually talked about both of them before. Now, we talked about Vajar Yeskamal back on episode 204. They composed the music for The Queen of Black Magic. A few other things I've known from them because they've got some really cool stuff, right? So Fajar, they also helped on Alice for Libido, the ABCs Ooh. of Death. Now, because there were so many directors on that, we didn't have a chance to talk about like the writers and cinema, like we normally would on a normal episode, right? Right, but there was right because at least twenty six. Oh gosh, we would have been there in each category. Wow, at least twenty six. Yeah, so now we get to talk about these people a little bit more proper now. Said he did segment Ellis for Libido for the ABCs of Death. Also, the segment Safe Haven. They did the Raid Part Two, Headshot, oh, nice. May the Devil Take You, The Night Comes for Us, the film Dread Out. Um, let's see here's and Gangs of London, which is a television series back in 2020. All right, now Arya Prayogi, they're the other composer. We talked about them because they helped on Ellis for Libido. <laughs> For the ABCs of Death back on episode 214. A few other things of note from them as well. They helped on the Raid Redemption. They actually did the original score for that. They helped on the Raid Part 2. They did uh, VHS Part 2, Safe Haven segment. They also did Headshot, The Night Comes for Us, Gangs of London, and the film Paranoia. Look, we're here to talk about horror movies, but if you didn't know, the Raids Part 1 and 2, Part 1 being Redemption, even though that sounds like a sequel title. Yeah, all right are two of the finest martial arts movies to have been made in our lifetimes. Just hands down, they are in the top five. I know you're a big fan. That, that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. All right, now producers on this are Yoshinori Chiba, Shinjiro Nishimura, Takuji Yushiyama, and the Mo Bros. Production companies in this were Gorilla Mera Films, Nikatsu, and XYZ Films. The distributor on this were Nikatsu for the 2014 Japanese theatrical release, Show organization they held for the Singapore theatrical release back in 2014, and WellGo USA Entertainment held for the dubbed theatrical release here in the United States back in 2014. All right, the release dates on this were January 20th, 2014, here in the States at the Sundance Film Festival. It also had a premiere in Japan on February 1st, 2014, and a premiere in Indonesia on February 6th, 2014. 
All right, getting into our cast, we've got quite a few people. I'll try to breeze this. We've got Kazuki Kitamura, who plays Nomura Shehi. And he has got some really cool films to his credit. So pulling a few things up, he goes back. And one of the early films I wanted to talk about was a film called The Eel. Heard some really good things about that. Kind of curious. Uh, he was in a film called Andromedia. I've heard some pretty decent things about that. He was in Dead or Alive back in 1999. The Kashimiki film. He's in Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 as Boss Koji as a part of the Crazy 88. He is in the film The Raid Part 2. He's in Parasite Part 1 and 2. He was in Blade of the Immortal, which is really neat. He's also in The Great Yukai War and The Guardians. Like I said, a lot of TV drama, stuff of that nature. Really cool actor. All right, we have Oka Antara plays the role of Bayu Iditya. Now, he was in the Safe Haven segment in the VHS Part 2, and he was also in the Raid Part 2. All right, we have Rin Takanashi. She plays the role of Hisa Kawahara. She was in the film Samurai Sentai Sengagi, which is actually part of like a television series, all those okay. Samurai Sentai mm-hmm. shows. She's in like a bunch of them shits. And she was also in the film Like Someone in Love. All right, we have Luna Maya. She plays the role of Dina Iditya, which is Bao Yu's wife. All right, she was in the film Roong and The Name of Love and the film Jakarta Undercover. We have Ray Sahatapi. He was Dharma in this film. Now, he was in the film The Raid Redemption. He was also in the films May the Devil Take You and May the Devil Take You Too. All right, we have Ursaya Aurelia. She plays the role of Ellie Editya, which is the daughter of Dina and Bayou. This is really the only film I've known. I think she was in some like television series over in Indonesia, but unless you really follow that... <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know because right. I, I don't. It. I don't either. All right, we have Tensui Sakai. He plays the role of Suichi. Really, this is the only role he's ever had. All right, we have Epi uh, Kuznadar. plays the role of Robert, which is like, I don't know if he's like a PR guy or a lawyer for Dharma. Oh, yeah, okay. I know okay. what you're talking about. Now, yeah, yeah. this dude, he's got some really interesting stuff. All right, so I pulled him up. He was in the segment Pepper and the Takut Faces of Fear. He was in the Ellis for Libido. He was stage 13 man. He was the one that was uh, a little wee. Oh, okay. That was that dude. (laughs) He was in the Safe Haven segment in VHS Part 2. He was in the Raid Part 2. He was also in uh, Headshot. He was in And the Night Comes for Us. So a few Indonesian films of note there. All right, we have Mei Kurakawa. She plays the role of Midori. She was in the segment Haunted Apartment in the Tales of Terror film. She was also in the films Boys on the Run and Yakuza Weapon. All right, we have Denden, who plays the role of Oyaji. He is the father at Jukai. Now, this is the guy that's in the tent in uh, a little segment. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an older Japanese guy. We'll put it this way. Now, this is really interesting because he's been in some really interesting films. He's in a 19, I think it's 1997 film, Japanese film called Cure that actually played at the Roxy here not too long mm. ago, which is really interesting. He's in a film, it's called Uzumaki, which means spiral. I've heard some really interesting things about that. He was in the Ju-On films, The Curse and Curse Part 2. He was in a 
a Sion Sono film called Cold Fish, which I own. I'm looking forward to rewatching that. He was also in the films Boys in the Run and Why Don't You Play in Hell. I have two other people of note. I have Tara Basro. She plays the role of Dewey. She is barely in this film. She is the wife of Dharma. You barely get to see her in this film. Oh, right. Okay. Right now, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. kind of interesting. She's in the films A Copy of My Mind, but these are the two films I'm looking forward to potentially watching, which are Joko Anwar films, which are Satan's mm. Slave and Empedigore. Oh, She's shit. Okay. Those. Yeah. And last but not least, I have a gentleman. His name is Ken Serrano. He is a taxi cab robber. Now, why would I bring him up? Well, we actually talked about him in episode 69 in Macabre. He was one of the police guys. Oh, funny. Okay. He was also in Ella's for Libido segment in the ABCs of Death as well. So, mm. yeah, that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. We should give you some warnings. <laughs> yeah. So, your standard language, there's lots of violence. Mm-hmm. Blood, gore, that kind of stuff. Female violence. There's some implied pedophilia. Yep. So you don't know the exact details. Right. You never get to see anything, thankfully, but it is implied that that's happening. Yes. But like you said, we don't know to what extent, thankfully. Maybe not even is happening, but more has happened. Yes. We'll talk uh, about uh, that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But it, no, it's there. I mean, I think you hit all the big ones, right? I, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to sort through my mind like, all right, what should we, is there anything that I should bring up? I mean, there's some gunplay that involves kids. I mean, like, there's some taboo stuff. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. More like the Russian roulette style. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was thinking of a different... Okay, yeah, no, I gotcha. Yeah, that's there. Once again, it's not a big part, though. No, 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 but just, you know... I mean, it's a big part, but it's... Right. But you know what I'm saying. Some people, they're like, no, I can't do that. It's not it. something that's constantly happening. No, is no, what no, I'm no, getting no, at. no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's not. <laughs> it's just. It's just. It happens, but it's not a big. It's part not of lesson it. of the evil. <laughs> Fuck no. We ain't <laughs> even spending thirty minutes no. fucking blowing no, forty no, no. kids this, away. This is more like you know I don't know 10, 15, 20 seconds at best. <laughs> yeah, at best. <laughs> oh man. No, I think that pretty much. Yeah, I think that, it. that yeah, exactly. And we've talked about this in the past. If we forget anything. Before we get into it, into the next section, we'll give you a heads up. Yeah. Speaking of the next section, let's find out how killers made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? Hell yeah. Killers. Both of our first times watching it. How did it make you squeal? <laughs> no, it took me, let's see, a couple of days to watch it the first time, you know, because... Once again, it's a little over two hours long, mm-hmm. and I tend to try to watch films a little bit later at night. And so, anyhow, after watching the first time through, I was like, okay, I don't think this one is like too hard to follow. It's pretty straightforward for the most part. I think there are some social commentaries that you can derive from it if you want to. Not mm. that it's necessary, but um, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. You know, once we get into this, but I liked it. I don't think it's like. Um, necessarily their best film per se because i haven't seen all their films but um it's it's still a pretty solid film though it's kind of what i was thinking i'm like well it's not their best work and the better version of this even though the plots are quite different the better version of this movie is still i saw the devil oh yeah without a doubt 
But it's not a bad movie. I no, rather enjoyed it. After somehow lucking out and having, I think, a couple in a row where I wasn't fucking complaining about the length, even though they were really long, this one doesn't need to be over two hours. This one probably could have been a, a nice, tight, like, 140, and I probably yeah. would have enjoyed it even a little bit better. I ended up I tuning agree. out a little bit more than I wanted to at some parts just because I was like, all right, cool. Like, let's get past this. Yeah, I mean, because you kind of know what's going to happen. After you've seen it the first time, you you already know. And it doesn't necessarily give anything new, mm-hmm. I think, to what you had previously seen. I'm not saying just you, but, you know, generalizing here. So I, I know what you're saying there. There was times today where I felt like that. And I'm found, I know I sound a little bit unenthused about it right now, but, like, I did enjoy the movie quite a bit. I still, I would recommend it. Like, I like it. It's just if we're going to sit here and talk about it, like, I think I've liked everything else they've done just a little bit better. I would agree with that. I, You know, I think certain films, probably films like this, would do better with an audience more so than just, mm-hmm. like, you know, watching it by yourself. I can't say that for every film, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy this film by yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think maybe in my case and perhaps in your case too, it it would best serve us if we were surrounded by a couple other people and maybe feeding off of their expressions, especially for people who aren't really used to these styles of film. Right. Like, yeah, this would play different in the theater for sure. I probably would have enjoyed it quite a bit more. There's some, I mean, there's honestly a couple crazy reveals. It's just they don't, matter that much yeah they i don't know it's like they they dab their toes in it and they kind of back out and And it's i don't even know if it was like an intentional backing out so much as like we wanted to do this but it doesn't really add anything to the story so right and that's kind of what i mean not necessarily oh we it's just yeah it didn't didn't leave me with anything like okay but at the same time like it's slick looking yeah some of the fucking gore and violence and blood effects are pretty damn good. Some of them are a little funny for like, yeah, I'm not going to, some of them are like, all right, getting into the movie. So the first kill, like, you know, we see this dude, what's his name? His name is Nomura. Nomura. Yeah. Nomura. Shuhei, right? Mm-hmm. Nomura, like he's getting with this chick. It opens up on sexy times and then he's hunting her through the woods and then she's fucking strapped to a chair And we knew this was coming because we saw this shit in the trailer, right? So, like, we know that there's, like, a serial killer filming murders and, like, putting them online and shit. And so this is that process. Extremely well done. Like, love the fucking classical backing and shit. It's kind of what I felt like what I got for the rest of the movie in that after he fucking wallops her in the head a couple times and pulls the plastic away and you see it, that looks, like, really good. That fucking... Mm. bit of her head that's fucking crushed in by the hammer Uh, looks great. And then they have it bleed a little bit extra and the blood is weirdly watered down. Yeah. They don't necessarily need that. And you can kind of tell it's being like pumped in from a pump. And I'm not saying it didn't look good, but we've seen this shit a lot. Right. And for how good the skin effect looked, the blood looked cheap. Or to, uh, argue with you there and so and i i don't know that's kind of this movie like it's a good cat and mouse there's good things going on and there's some really interesting window dressing 
but it's really straightforward at the end of the day. None of the big reveals actually change anything. They're just big, like, gasp reveals. And and you can um, actually kind of see the ending coming once they're in that location. Yeah, I mean... Once they're there, I I was like, cool, I know how this is going to end. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is kind of pretty obvious, but what I think maybe, just kind of like thinking about the use of voyeurism Mm -hmm. and what it did to a particular character, because we're in spoilers. Uh If you haven't noticed already, it's Bayou, the Indonesian journalist, right? I was thinking about, okay, if, if you're looking at it maybe from a critical you know, point. It's like, I wonder how much these guys are like, okay, we as the viewer, as mm-hmm. the audience, we are the voyeur. So we are kind of like the Bayou character, right? Maybe it's out of pure curiosity that we watch these things, you know? I'm not saying that we, we go look to watch the real stuff, but we're watching a film that is delving into this topic. So mm-hmm. here we are. Um, so that's why I'm saying, I wonder how much of it is a commentary on what, Watching certain violent stuff, especially real things, can do to a person, especially if they're pushed, you know, given a little push to go over the edge. Right. And I'll tell you what, like some of the shit, especially towards the beginning of the movie, is some of my favorite shit. I love, like, Bayou's life is kind of falling apart, and he kind of knows it's his own fault. But he just feels like he has to see this fucking shit through. Yeah, he's kind of prideful in that respect. And as he's doing that, he just, it's never fully explained, but it seems like he just got some macabre curiosity. Right. I mean, it's, he's a journalist, so probably he's, like, say, curious about maybe some of the darker side of things. Perhaps. Okay, I don't know. Right. Well, and it, so he's pursuing a very particular case, and we're hinted at why, but it's never spelled out. Right? Mm-hmm. Or is it? I am wondering if there was shit that I was missing on the newspaper clippings. Oh, that's a good point, too. Because they showed them, like, there's a lot of text on those screens. And it holds on it for long enough that you could probably read at least a few sentences. But I can't read Indonesian. Yeah, I can't either. So if any of our Indonesian listeners are listening, help a brother out. But I feel like those might explain exactly what happened Give you some more in context. his backstory. Yeah. But what's implied <laughs> is that he's a journalist that ended up going after this dude, Dharma. Mm-hmm. What does Dharma do? I have no idea. He's famous for some reason, though, right? Like, Yeah, it looks that and way. And he's rich. Yeah. He goes after Dharma because Dharma abducted, tortured, and raped his boy? Jesus. Yeah, perhaps. That's weird. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know for sure, though. Or is he just trying to bring him down? Because, okay, this leads to a scene halfway through the movie, but this is our fucking spoiler section, so whatever, we're going to jump around as we need to. I'm not entirely positive with both times I watch the movie, the scene where he kills the lawyer guy, when he goes into that other room... Yeah. I'm not positive that child was there. I see what you're saying. I think he's thinking about what happened to his kid and how this guy has been covering up for. Because we get no closure to that. That's interesting. And you would think that, like, 
this super high prominent lawyer for this famous guy. Dharma's famous for some reason or another. If nothing else, he's famous because of this case that that he's involved in. Yeah. Like, ends up dead, because at least a couple days go by after that point. Somebody finds out he's dead, right? You would think, yeah. Or at least he's missing. <laughs> and if he's missing, they probably went and searched his place. Like, oh, shit. And even if Bayou didn't do something, that means the kid is still there, so that would be all the fucking headlines, right? You would think, yeah. So either the movie didn't think about that, or I think maybe that's why he has the personal grudge against... Dharma. Dharma. Yeah, I could see that. Like, there was some, I don't know, like, uh, some splintered thinking, like, back and forth. Like, what was happening, being juxtaposed over what's happening now. To me, that's kind of sets up the mirroring between, the imperfect mirroring right. of, between him and Nomura. Yeah, Nomura. Because Nomura has that thing with his sister that we know is constantly driving parts of his thoughts. Mm -hmm. And the Bayou thing is more just hinted at. But there is, in the scene, I think his first scene with him and his wife, and he's looking at, like, the family pictures that are still up, the one that he's looking at when she says, oh, you were so happy then, it doesn't look like he's holding his daughter. You know, I didn't really put much thought into that, yeah. It looks like he's holding... A son. Interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about that, to be quite frank. I didn't think about that. Maybe not. It's hard to tell when I, you don't actually know the language and you're having to go by the fucking... I, yeah, that's a good point, too. But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really think about any of that. I mean, maybe which is me. I wasn't like paying that close of attention to detail. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't really get much of that. I just summed it up as like... Like I said, Bayou was more or less trying to like do like a make or break story on a corrupt, you know, mm -hmm. putting air quotes around corrupt because that could be anything. Uh, politician, it happens to be Dharma. And um, in this case, you know, he's just a, a cameraman for another journalist who's like trying to give him, you know, some kudos. Like, you know, you had a good thing. Mm -hmm. It just sucks that you didn't finish it. And then they have to go out because here he comes with his lawyer and, Dharma's wife, who looks like she got a black eye, and they're right. kind of pressing that, like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I just took it as: is like this guy's probably just a piece of shit, beats his wife, whatever, corrupt. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't think much more beyond that. So I don't know, but you might be, you might be onto something. Well, I think I don't know. Maybe it's just because the the lawyer's pleading with him, and he's like, "I'm a family man, like I have kids or whatever." And when he's like, what would you do then if someone had fucking raped and tortured your boy? And he could be talking about that kid in the other room, but once again, we get no follow-up whatsoever to that. Right, right, right. And, that's... and I'm wondering if maybe he's just thinking about something that happened as part of that story he was trying to dig up. Perhaps, yeah, I don't know. Or that's... maybe even his kid. That's solid. Because I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't think much beyond... Just the, the what was going on in the moment, not necessarily mm -hmm. like what other implications that has. Yeah, I don't know. That's good. that's a good point. But once again, maybe like I said, there's it might be one of the reveals that just goes nowhere. Yeah, because it's like ah, uh, maybe the lawyer did just have a boy in the other room that he was diddling. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that very well could be as well. You know, like, corrupt people kind of run in circles together. Like, because you could tell, like, the guy was covering up all the tracks. It's like, no, she's, you know, she's bruising because plastic surgery. She's had in the past. Everybody knows that, right? Come on. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, you mm -hmm. know, he's just, like, covering up. this For this guy who happens to be corrupt, once again. But, no, I, I don't know. That's interesting, man. I don't know if, for me if it warrants a third watch so I can pick up all that. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, but it's still interesting. I'd rather watch Macabre another time. Uh, true. True that. But uh, in this case, I mean, it, it could give some texture to maybe why Bayou has more of a vindictive nature, or nature against this guy in the first mm -hmm. place. You know, that would make a little bit more sense. You know, as opposed to just like, why, why would you give up your career and your marriage just trying to take down this one corrupt. Yeah, why is it that important to you, especially? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's you know what I mean. To this guy, so I don't know. Maybe that, maybe so. I don't know. Unless we're supposed to just believe that he's just fucking that much into the sunk cost fallacy. I've already spent this much time. I, I know, but still, I've got to take him down. It's interesting. Um, here's something I thought was kind of neat the first time around was uh, Numura was just kind of driving around whatever city he was in and. Uh, Comes across a young woman who happens to be uh, Hisei, who looks like she's trying to suicide her brother. I must have fucking looked away my first watch because I didn't catch that at all. And then my second time when I was watching it this morning, I was like, I had to rewind it. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Did that just happen? That was on purpose, right? And I was like, oh shit, that was on purpose. Yeah, so I thought it was like, wow, that's that was kind of interesting, right? Where. Later on in the film, you get a different side of that story. Which do you think's true? Dude, from... Well, I don't know, man. Because are we to believe Nomura, what he saw? Because that's kind of what that first shot is. Mm -hmm. The first <laughs> angle, if you will, of the Zapruder film. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you're looking at it from his POV, it does look like she pushed that boy out in the street and hopes that maybe that truck would get him. But the way she tells it, it's not like that. And I'm like, I don't know, man, because we didn't really get to see her POV. Right. And I just, oh, man. It's not a good there's look no reason. Way. There's no reason to not believe her, but also in that <laughs> moment, like... She was reading as like very defensive. Yeah, that's true. How dare you? And I'm wondering. <laughs> I think her acting in that scene made me question it more than anything. Well, because on its face, there's no reason to doubt her version because we know he's fucked up. Well, <laughs> what I was going to say, what I think is interesting, too is some of the, the morality, if you will, mm -hmm. telling in this film is not necessarily just about our two main characters, Nomura and uh, Bayou. There's other people at play here, too, that, in this case, this girl, you say, she looks like she's just a sweet, innocent girl, but she is. She was trying to Jeffrey Epstein, both of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So either way you look at it, whether it was from Nomura or her point of view, you know, it's like, ah, that wasn't really chill either way. No. No. It's just, one way at least, it's not just to somebody else. <laughs> no, it's like, that was ruthless. 
But maybe that's what he saw in her. Like, maybe mm-hmm. she has that in her. Maybe He wasn't looking well, at like, oh, she's sweet. Second time through, I was like, oh, shit, that's why he's attracted to her. That makes more sense now. Yeah, exactly. Like, he saw that in her. That's why once he's with her, whenever he's getting these urges, he feels like she still has potential, and so he's going and taking it out on others. Yes. Which We're- we get to see a couple times, which it's so weird. Like, I love man, we do these fucking horror movies. We it sometimes intentionally choose movies because of their fucked up kills. Weirdly, I got most bored by him dealing with these other women. Yeah, when when he was like, it, really. when he was just basically not wanting to take it out on her. That's true that. That's true that. She very well could have been his next victim. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for that little bit he saw in the streets... She's like, yeah, he, she's for the streets. <laughs> he knew it was up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, that's that's a solid point. And um, he starts to see her kind of as his sister in a sense, you know, not like, oh, right. not necessarily in that romantic version, you know. He just, well, uh, well, yeah, yeah. He's like, that's a good point too. I don't know because this dude's weird. Well, we can't necessarily trust anything that he says about his own backstory and what happened with his sister. I do think his mom and his sister did kill themselves. You're probably right. That's I think that's why we the first thing when he has the bathtub dream and he's walking through the forest and goes and meets the guy in the tent, the first thing he sees is the fucking noose hanging from the tree. Exactly. So I think that that part is implied to be true. Yes, which that's, you know, that that pretty much lets you know what that means. That being said, how much he was involved still in some way or another. Solid point, man. Don't know. And we know, I mean, second big reveal that goes nowhere involves the sister. That's a good point, man. You know, was that his dad? I'm, I was wondering that the second time through. Because... Thinking about it now, it's like uh, they never give the background to necessarily his his folks, right? And like, in particular, his dad or anything like that either. But you're right; that's a flashback that he's having in the tub. So perhaps, man, perhaps I don't know. That's interesting. That could damage did, somebody. Young. It was that his dad, and he. Well, then it wouldn't make sense why he saw the noose. Then, right? Maybe because the know. dad. If that's the dad, what did he? How did he say he killed them? All right, so that old man, mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like he has two kids in the tent. Okay, and he's basically saying like, you know, his girl was asking if it's gonna hurt. He says, yeah, it's gonna be painful, and he apparently kills them. And he said like after, you know, they were dead. He said there was a weird calm that came over him, and he started pondering about like it was there any meaning to any of it life and all that mm, other stuff mm-hmm. which i think that's kind of what the philosophy that namura kind of has right which he's trying to impart on to bayou which we'll learn you know as the film progresses is like see there's really no meaning to it that's why it's you know like we have we have these urges that he thinks is okay to fulfill it looks like these murderous things mm-hmm. because this guy he's like oh you you have a curiosity how this event which we'll eventually get to kickstarts this thing because why else would you film it and then upload it and then 
you know, he, he, he's equating it to, which is interesting because there's a lot of, I feel like these guys do a good job of like kind of showing their influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it a lot in Rumadara and Macabre. Like that's a throwback to 70s, you know. What I mean by that is there was moments where Nomura felt like the Hannibal Lecter kind of character. Yeah, I, I definitely got that at times. The other thing, uh, mm-hmm. kind of along those lines, is I thought he felt a bit uh, Patrick Bateman at times. Yes, American Psycho. I was going to also say, even though it came out after this film, there's even kind of intimations or like shared philosophy when it comes to um, like the serial killer motif as an artist, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, your first one's kind of spontaneous, and the second one you want to see if somebody will fight back, and then the third one's your masterpiece, quote unquote, you know. So he's, I'm like, wow, that kind of has a little bit like the house that Jack built in mm-hmm. that sense, you know. Even in the opening sequence when the girl's running away, I'm like, wow, this is kind of like a fucking martyr's opening. <laughs> right. You know, uh, even towards the end a little bit when the two women are trying to escape and, you know, doesn't work out. But <laughs> I was like, that's kind of interesting, you know. They're, they're showing they have Western influence, even though these are, you know, e- Eastern filmmakers, which is nice. They're doing it. In a kind of underhand way. So here's my other question. Did his sister actually die then? Because, I mean, I know this is a spoiler section, but right, right, right. I, I still want to dance around. I mean, so warning, this is like a big spoiler for his section. We find out that he still has her corpse. That is so fucked up, isn't it? But her desiccated corpse looked like it was supposed to be the corpse of someone older than what we were seeing in his flashbacks. It's hard to tell because it was a desiccated corpse. But did she not die then and maybe was just, like, brain dead and he was trying to kept her alive. alive for as long as he could until she became a corpse? Because there was, still thinking, like, hosp- there was still, like, IVs and shit hung up in that room. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, maybe, yeah. That's really fucked up. But. Because <sighs> I don't, I, after, <sighs> like, paying more attention that second time around, I'm like, I don't think she died when she was young. I don't either. I think Not maybe the- she got close. And he's been keeping her alive, and she probably is in that, like, vegetable state. Ugh. Yeah, that's weird, dude. Okay, the part that I have the biggest question about in the entire movie. Is this a movie that involves a forced robbery at gunpoint combined with hand jibber? Yeah, oh yeah, dude. I was like... <laughs> well, here, here's the interesting thing about that, if that's not interesting enough. Because the guy that's given the hand jibber is the dude that was like one of the cops from a cob. Right. And he's an L. And I'm like, that's where I recognize him. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I don't want to say I recognize him giving out hand jibbers in a taxi cab. <laughs> but here he is. What the fuck is that? He's like, give come me your, on. He's give like, me your look, money. Look, bro, we're in Jakarta. That no shit flies here. <laughs> I'm I mean, going to hold this gun to your head and I'm going to jack that right. meat off. Just give into it, bro. Just give into it. All right. While the other guy's sitting there asking him about his daughter and, like, any age flies, right? Like, what you're not even fuck? showing him a picture of her. Like, you're just letting your bro fucking... If that's not confusing as fuck... Jack is right. I was going to say, all right, if someone... Two guys, all right, it's not just someone. If two guys mm-hmm. 
were trying to do the same thing to either one of us. Like, how would we... And then on top of you throwing gunplay... <laughs> yeah. I mean... What the fuck is going on? I'm getting, I'm getting hand-jibbered <laughs> while I'm getting robbed. And then they're trying to shoot me. What the fuck? Because that's what's happening to this dude by you. I don't even know how I would process that. Like, I know. What are you? What are you doing? Why? <laughs> that has to be one of the most bizarre sequences that I have seen in a taxi cab, and we have seen some guys get janked up in a taxi cab. I used to watch taxi cab confessions, bro. I like, too. <laughs> I would stay up late for them shits. Don't ask me why, because they were entertaining. Yeah. So it was real sex. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But like. Forced hand jobs at fucking wow. gunpoint weren't part of that show. I'm like, that is and so wild. I still don't wild, know. Man. Like, we're gonna take your cell phone, your credit cards, and your cum. Yes, we're Three taking C's. DNA. We're taking all your yeah, exactly. Three C's: cell phone, cash, Ooh. and cum. <laughs> Jesus, man, that was crazy. That was wild. Yeah, I mean, he's like, what I like is how he reacts to it. It's kind of like. It's confusion. It's he's irate as well. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, where he's just kind of like shaking his head and blowing off. It's like he's trying to blow off steam. But yeah, it, it was wild when they fucking turn the guns on him because we see that in the preview and in the trailer. So mm-hmm. uh, spoiler, if you haven't watched the trailer, fucking watch it because it, it shows you that. And that's where this movie really t- twists. I think like it really sends this character by you over the edge. Where he became, or he was the voyeur, now he's thrust because he thrust himself into this role by going back and filming mm-hmm. those guys. One of the guys is corpse, and that guy like his last breath and shit. And uh, that's how Nomura finds him. Right. He's like, dude, next time use a different IP address, you fucking idiot. <laughs> so uh, what makes me think is like, well, this motherfucker has some hacking skills apparently too. Yeah. Has some hacking skills. There, <laughs> that just made me think of something. He's already calling him out for his bad use of fucking hiding his identity online and shit, changing his fucking IP and all that. Right. Anyway, there's a scene in the background that they fucking translated in the subtitles where the fucking news is talking about that they're taken down people posting these fucking videos onto these sites. So theoretically, even though this movie didn't play out the way it did, he was fucked anyway. Oh, yeah. The cops were going to get him in like a month once they took out the other top fuckers. Or they might just get to him right away because like, no, this dumbass didn't fucking hide his IP. We know right where he's at. Yeah, if you have like a cybersecurity force or anything like that, yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. Especially if you're doing it sloppy like he did. So he was going to be fucked anyway. Precisely. He already ruined his fucking life. He ruins his life right there. 100%. Yeah, he's like, he's already in too deep at this point. And that's what I'm getting at is, you know, once they make contact, and, and it's because Nomura makes contact with him, he, he starts giving him that philosophical talk, if you will. Like, hey, you know, your first one is kind of spontaneous, like I was saying, is you upload it <laughs> with your first fucking video you know, no username. Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> you know, he's like, that's how I found you. But, uh, yeah, he's kind of like steering him in a little bit of direction. He's like, now think about who you really want to target with the next one. Mm-hmm. And that sends him on a little journey. And that's how he runs into old pedophile we talked about a little earlier about. 
Well, and it was all this stuff, uh, especially the second time through, where I started to notice more and more, like, Nomura's weird loneliness. Like, he's trying to look for someone to share his life with, presumably because his sister recently died after he had been keeping her alive in a secret room all these years. Wow. I'm going with that version of it, by the way. I am, too. I like that, and it's so creepy. I love that version of it. (laughs) First off, hands down, Nomura might be one of the most flat-out evil characters we've talked about on this. Yeah, this guy is a true sociopath. 100%. He doesn't give zero fucks. I mean, there's a couple that are also super fucked up. Don't get me wrong. We've talked about some really fucked up characters over the course of 250-plus fucking podcasts. No, fuck me, dude. But yeah, you're right. But he is actively, like, trying to recruit people to be on you his know, side. That's, that's a good point. He's too. trying to convince a fucking a kid too. He yeah, he's giving a fucking kid a taser to go fucking tase anyone who picks on him. Yeah, because a kid equates to some of this to like killing people. He's trying to so, convince yeah. a fucking chick to kill her brother <laughs> just to prove that she is kind of a killer like him. Like he's reaching out to this other guy who has this morbid curiosity. Yeah, he's like, and trying well, to know, cultivate a, him into being a killer. Yeah, go after the what, who you really want to go after. Don't you know hesitate. But he's doing all this because he wants to spend his life with somebody now. Yeah, gets him. It's that's what I'm saying, and it's in a weird, fucked up way. It is akin, if you will, to like Hannibal Lecter mm-hmm. with Will Graham. Mm-hmm. Even though these, it's not the same, of course. No, but no, no. there is a loneliness to this character, and he's looking for a quote unquote companion to share this reality with. Because, yeah, because the way that the end plays out between those two is all Nomura trying to... Because he's trying to eliminate everyone else in... What's his name again? Bayou? Yeah, Bayou. Bayou's life so that they can start clean together, basically. Dude, okay, I just... I'll talk about the end here in a little bit. But yes, yes. He finds this interesting underling in Bayou. Mm -hmm. And he's like... We must be the same. He put a fucking video online. Dude, yeah, hell yeah, bro. You and me. <laughs> That's how we're doing this. Yeah, what what I have essentially got out of Nomura, once he develops this quote-unquote friendship with Hisei, the florist with her brother, is um, he's seeing this mirroring of possibly him and his sister, like that relationship, and he's seeing it through them. But then because of the boy, he has autism, he's getting picked on. He's like, yeah, here's a taser. You can do this. In hopes of, like, empowering this kid, you know, and, of course, it backfires. And then because the girl is sweet, she is a sweet girl. She's not what he thinks she is. Mm -hmm. And he is kind of trying to push her in that direction. Like you were saying, he's probably better off if he wasn't here. You know, he's like, no, um, no. Right. I was actually trying to die with him. Thank you. <laughs> Death might be an easier way for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, whoa. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Some of this stuff has to do with morality in that sense. Like, regardless of how you look at that situation, I don't think you can come away with a clean slate, regardless. Mm-hmm. If you offed yourself in your brother... Or if you just pushed your brother in front of a truck and like, woof, woof, woof. Sorry, bro. I don't have to worry about you no more. Um, 
is it's fucked up regardless. But you know, I, people can try to justify it, I suppose. You know, what I thought was interesting because I think it's the only time we see him in it. I feel like it says a little bit about how extreme his mind takes things at times. After he gets the fu- his ass fucking handed to him by the pimp. Yeah, yeah. And he has the fucking dream where he's having it at is in the bathtub that he uses to dispose of corpses. True. Yeah. So he just got his ass handed to him and he goes and lays in the fucking corpse bath. Yeah, I'm dead. Because I don't think we see him use that bathtub otherwise. No. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. It's like reflection. I'm dead. Let me reflect. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. All right. Um, let's see here. Bayou, like I said, after he kills Robert, we, we kind of get a, a glimpse of his relationship, too, with his... I guess they're separated, but they're still married. Dina. Yeah. His, his girl, Ellie. And her... We know he's the one that moved out. Mm-hmm. While working on all this shit, and it's he's letting it take over his life for the most part. Even though at this point it should be over with, because Dharma, yeah. whether just or not, was found not guilty. And there's not much more that he can do as a fucking investigative journalist. Right, you gotta know when to hold him, gotta know when to fold him, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So, he didn't learn his lesson, hence why there's this split in the relationship and this... I, I guess, you know, he kind of like sees his daughter... There's a struggle there because it looks like Dina might be finding a new, like, got a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And her dad doesn't see or look too kindly to Bayou. Even kind of calls him out at the dinner. And that's where he has, like, that disconnect, too. That scene was really well done. <clears throat> yeah, well, That was cool. Where, you like, everybody's getting murked. Like, damn. That kind of comes back around a little bit later on, too, where he's kind of, like, really snapping. And he goes back. And the dude confronts him when... He and Dean are having that little confrontation in the bedroom. Oh, right. Yeah. They've done it before, but the, the close-up where... Oh, yeah. Kind of like punch. bean mugging. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little funny looking. It kind of was. Like, was. I'm like, you get what they're going for. I get it, but... Yeah, it's kind of silly. I hate to intimidate him, but bye. <laughs> nah, I was like, I bet you I could squeeze your side and make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's We get what's going on, but... The whole point is is kind of showing what his madness is doing to the family, which probably mm-hmm. maybe a little glimpse, a mirroring, like you were saying, of what we didn't see because, you know, we're kind of thrust after the fact with his investigation of Dharma, right? You know what? I will say I appreciate this movie treats us all like fucking adults and doesn't spoon feed us all this information. I, I, I do like that, too. It's like it, I just wish we got a little bit more of it a little bit clearer. Right. You do have to piece this stuff together. And that's okay because maybe it's who's narrating the story here, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You can't really trust them too much because they're fucked. <laughs> and this one guy is becoming fucked mm-hmm. in front of our eyes. And it has its implication because of all these people. There's a ripple effect between Nomura, him getting involved with, he's saying her brother, and then Bayou and his wife and her, their daughter, and then Dharma and his men, which were. About to fucking find out because now after the second murder that Bayou did on, who was it, Robert, right? Yeah, yeah. Now he's like, now you need to go after Dharma. Dharma. And what he does, because he learns from Robert that he's supposed to be staying at some hotel, and he goes there and 
kicks in the door after pretending to be room service or whatever, and it's not Dharma, it's his son. And his son's like, I have nothing to do with my dad and all that shit, which is interesting. That's another play on sons and stuff like Mm -hmm. that too. So it becomes lethal when the son goes for, I can't remember exactly what he was going for. It wasn't a gun or anything. It was No, but he moved quick and he did did freak out. He made a sudden movement and he fucking shot him in the neck. Right. And then he went to go like snuff him out with a pillow and that draws the attention of that guy's men. Mm -hmm. And now there's like a cat and mouse game, which I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I like this. You didn't get away from those motherfuckers. That's that's what I'm saying. I like this film. I'm not buying that. He turns into an action star for like three minutes to get away from those fuckers. I kind of you get out, some cool imagery, in right? It. I, I kind of tune out. Like it's cool. Don't get me wrong. The first time was like, okay, I want to see what, how what, how the fuck's he getting out of this. Second time through, it was like, nah. There, there was a couple things though that made me so. When he gets into the elevator with the guy and he has a fucking gun right to his head, even that guy doesn't fucking respect him any. He's just no. like thinks about it for a second and he's like. Heading for the lobby. (laughs) He's like, this motherfucker ain't going to pull the trigger on me. Mm -mm. Dude, he's heading for the lobby. (laughs) I know. And then it's like, the thing that kind of took me out of it, if that wasn't enough already, some of this nonsense, is how he jumped over those. holds back the gate on like eight of them? That, but he also jumps over a crowd of the guys and ends up on the other side. Mm. And then he like trots off. Like, no, no, absolutely not. Just all the knocking furniture over like no stop it already if you were this athletic you wouldn't have had so much trouble fucking offering robert when he jumps on your ass at the beginning of that that was fucking hilarious um (laughs) yeah i wasn't expecting that shit that was funny too no i'm glad i'm glad that happened (laughs) there are some things i'm glad that they left in this film it makes me wonder like man yeah i don't want to say anything like that but it, it made me wonder like why i don't know maybe that's for like People who are into those action sequence kind of stuff. Well, was, I'm wondering if maybe there was just a couple things the Mo brothers always wanted to do on film, yeah, and they too. saw an opportunity to do it. It's like, now's our chance. Because, like, I've seen that hallway chase between him and that guy in, like, five different action movies, some version of that. Yeah, that's... Like, when he holds that, back yeah. the fucking the gate for a second and there's just like the arms reaching through i'm like well that's a fucking zombie movie moment if i've ever seen one if all i saw was a still from that i was like oh mo brothers made a zombie movie that's makes me think too because i I wrote down like a small list of films that maybe they were inspired by but i could see that too like that sequence almost right after all of that with off of bayou but almost the next scene is when Namura gets Midori, or no, I guess first he fucking jacks up the pimp. But when he Whoa. gets Midori into the trunk and the fucking cops are fucking with him and it turns into a fucking comedy yeah, for a like, minute what the fuck? when he's having like a, a dark comedy, yeah. but he's having to fucking knock her ass out and fucking shove her back in the trunk while the, the cops are fucking arguing about whether he's worth their time or not in the foreground. I didn't even catch that shit the first time through. Second time through, I was fucking rolling that that shit was happening. Yeah, no, it was like, it was literally like a good cop, bad cop kind of scenario. Or, or like a loof cop and a very serious cop. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, we just got a call of a murder in the fucking club. But the entire time in the background, he's just like, oh shit, gotta open up the trunk because he's starting to fucking wiggle around. I know. Gotta fucking punch her ass out. Like, No, it's, it is kind of classic. 
there are a lot of dark humor moments in this film if you're not really paying attention to it. And I do appreciate that, once again, uh, the humor in this. Some people, who knows, it might take them out. But I, I do like that stuff, you know? I, I just felt that. it was weirdly out of line <laughs> with most of the rest of the movie. Yeah. As much as, like, maybe one of my favorite parts. Uh, well, I mean, if you're going to have a two-hour-plus film, not mm -hmm. a bad place to put it in. It worked. That's probably one of the cuts they could make. Take out that entire fucking scene and the cops fucking with them. Yeah, because it wasn't really necessary. Like, you could have just put her in the car and boom. It's five minutes gone out of the movie. Took Might be one of my favorite bits. Guess what? Doesn't do anything to help deleted this movie. Scenes. Put a deleted yeah, scene. That's deleted okay. scenes. Yeah, we're okay with that. That's where you keep it in. <laughs> all right. So he takes her back and is set up to kill her. Like, he's taking all her shit off, right? All her makeup and all that good stuff. And um, he's setting it up because he wants to show this to Bayou. He wants him to be involved with this one. Like, hey, man, look. <clears throat> look what I brought for you. <laughs> you know? But Bayou is not really... He doesn't want to. But, yeah, that I mean, after he escapes you, right? Like, he's asleep. That's what I'm getting at with Bayou. He gets woken up because he gets the alert on his mm -hmm. computer. <clears throat> that's what I'm getting at. Is because Nomura has Midori... He has it set up to where, yeah, I got a present for you. And that's his present. He's going to do a live murder for him with his assistance. But except Bayou doesn't want to have it. Now, this gets interrupted because Hisei comes over. And she's confronting Nomura once again because of her brother, Suichi, and the, the taser. The taser, yep. <laughs> and because he's going to get expelled from school. And like I said, we've already talked about their talk and how he's confronting her <laughs> about... Her brother and what he saw. I saw you do this. And she's like, no, you didn't. I nope. did this. And then their conversation gets interrupted because... I also have one other thought about that, though. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if they're referencing two different occasions? That what if she's a, done it more than once? Oh, You know, that's a solid point because he didn't specify which occasion, you know, what day, what night, what time of day or anything. So you might be onto something. That, yeah, that's what I'm getting. That's that's clever, perhaps, perhaps. But you could read into that. Mm hmm Okay. It gets interrupted. Midori knocks over her chair that she's in. She's been tied up to. The whole time, too, is like Bayou is kind of like chair, chairing them all. I'm not like a Ron, but like, right. like, hey, you need to do, you need, like, give them some importance. Like, hey. Get out. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, he's encouraging them to get, or her to get out of that fucking situation, right? So that alerts some more attention, and uh, it, it that starts like a whole thing between he say Midori and him, and that's where you also get the discovery of the room with the sister, which is fucked. <laughs> he gets smashed up a couple times, but it's which not enough. Only seems to affect him in that scene. It's yeah. It's like as much as he bled out, I was expecting him to be like real fucked up because mm -hmm. it looked like they fucked him up good. But it didn't last long, enough for them to get out to the car and enough for him to, like, smash out <laughs> the fucking window. Now, I will say this, too. Somebody brought this up. I was reading an article. There's a little bit with, like I said, the voyeurism and how this stuff kind of plays out with Michael Hanke, some of his mm. works with, like, funny games and stuff like that. Which is, like, you know, that's actually a good point if you want to look at it from, like, the European standpoint. But as far as the Asian standpoint, there's... um. I don't know, I'd say brutality is maybe not the right word, but there's there's a little bit of more, I think, rawness more so than voyeurism involved. Yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, because he fucking, you don't see it, but he kills, he say. Yeah. And Midori's crawling off, and, you know, he gets her. And uh, he pretty much confronts Bayou about that. He's like, I need to pay somebody a visit. And it looks like a little bit of time has passed. We don't know how much time, but it looks like enough time to where Bayou's trying to patch things with his daughter and Dina, his wife. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, dropping his daughter off at school. And, you know, it's like, I'll pick you up later and we'll do this and that or whatever. And then he calls Dina. And she's at his place. And she finds the gun. And she's kind of apprehensive. You think that's going to lead to something? Right. And it leads to something completely different? I'm not mad at that. That I'm was not good. Either. Yeah, because what really happens is who pays her a visit is Nomura. He fucks her up. <laughs> We don't know that until Bayou goes home and there's a camcorder in his living room or wherever the hell it's at. It's set up on a tripod well, and to press play. Well, and all we know for certain is she found the gun. So that's you're expecting him to walk home to, like, a Dear John note. Yeah, that would be funny, but that yeah, exactly. That's kind of how it's prefaced from the previous, yeah, little thing they had. And then, well, <laughs> here's the thing. Even when you see the video camera, my mind didn't go to something happened to her my mind went to, she found a tape he made. Yeah, that would make sense, too. Like, what the fuck is this? No, I, you know, honestly, I, I can't remember exactly, but I, I kind of want to lean, like, I was thinking, oh, shit, she got fucked up. Mm. Yeah, like the seven moment, what's in the box? Yeah, she got fucked up. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did. And that starts, like, a whole thing with him and Namora now. Because Nomura, he knows Nomura's in Indonesia, and he's got to be close by if the motherfucking thing's set up. Because I just right. talked to her. Yeah, and he runs out into the alley. I was about to say, to this point, he doesn't know what Nomura looks like, right? Mm-hmm. He just sees him as kind of like a shadow. I mean, he hears his voice. And he has the mask on the other couple times they've yeah, talked on the webcam. That's true. But he goes outside, and he looks at, you know, he's looking around. He gets to the, the sidewalk, looks across the street. And it's got to be Nomura because he's still got the blood on him. And so now exactly. he knows they've seen each other. And then he gets fucking smashed into by an SUV and gets uh, snatched up by Dharma. In some boys. wild kind of weird mirroring between what was supposed to happen to um, Chick's kid. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That's a very solid point. Uh, he got distracted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nomura distracted him. Yeah, that's a solid point. Um, yeah, but what that amounts to is Dharma has not only got Bayou, but he's also got his daughter, Ellie, and she's blindfolded on a chair, and they're up in this, like, building, and the floor they're on is is exposed, meaning, like, you know, you take a wrong step and your ass is done. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're filming, like, 20 foot away from where the first scene of the first episode of the Punisher takes place. There you go. So, <laughs> so uh, what it, what is happening is Bayou is being confronted by Dharma because Dharma knows what he's done. Like he's killed his son. Why did you come up? You know, all this other stuff. Then he starts to fuck him up. He has a henchman, like smash his foot in with a brick and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Now, much to maybe <laughs> the relief of <laughs> Bayou, the more winds up shooting that fucking henchman. Then goes to beating that dude's head in, and the after effects are not bad. No, no, that was pretty. That should look good. They don't give you a, a good look at it, but no. what you can see looks good. Looks good. I'll give them that. And now, 
it's like, all right, Nomura's flipped the script. He's like, I want you two, meaning Dharma and Bayou, like this is the whole point where you're here in the first place. This is what you wanted the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now you have it. Now you don't want to do it. Now I have to give you some motivation. Oh, well, here's your daughter. Here's a gun. Um, if you don't, I'll just shoot her. Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing the whole Russian roulette thing. Like, you know, oh, lucky. Let me point it at somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it winds up being Dharma gets what's like strangled out. Yeah. By Bayou. But while that's happening, Ellie Nora takes the fucking blindfold off Ellie. Yeah. So, so she, she watches her dad actually strangle her, some death. Precisely. And he tries, he being Bayou, tries to hug his daughter and stuff. And she doesn't want any of it. She hates her dad right now. And that pretty much, there's a disconnect right there. Like, all right. And that's what Nomura was like, see, that's what I was trying to tell you. Now, here's the one thing. Maybe if they showed Ellie as being younger, mm-hmm. but they showed her as being old enough and having heard enough of the conversation <laughs> of just went on that, like, I might not be the happiest with my dad right now. Right. But, but like, I what that guy had planned. Would that guy have planned for her? Yeah. He's basically like, you know, I'm going to make her my bride and then she's going to, you know, push out some kids for me. Yeah. She After heard all of that. They didn't put earplugs in her. <laughs> no. Uh, that blindfold didn't disconnect you from hearing what you just were around the conversation. Come on. So, on. yeah, it's probably fucked up that she just watched her dad choke someone to death. But she yeah. heard the context for why. <laughs> and she is not that young. No, I agree with that sentiment. But, you know, granted, and given the circumstances leading all into that, her mom dying, mm-hmm. does she know that? I'm going to guess no at this point because she was at school. Yeah, and she was probably snatched up right at school. Like when school let out waiting Mm -hmm. for her dad, she got snatched up. I mean, this is all, you know, conjecture, but I'm assuming that's how things played out. But regardless, at this moment now, Namora and Bayou are at this crossroads where it's like, okay, now that you're – you no longer have a wife. The guy that you want to revenge on or we're seeking justice for is dead. Mm-hmm. You killed all those people. <laughs> you know, uh, your daughter no longer wants to be a part of you. So what? what is it going to be? And uh, he starts to attack Namura. And they have a little jostle. And uh, it gets to a point where fucking Namura shoots him. But what's revealed is like... Uh, Wait. The the worst thirty seconds of effects in this entire movie. Yeah, the shot I, I kind of understand, like it was kind of dumb CG, but it was also a lot more realistic than we normally get. Gun yeah, shots. it wasn't bad. I'm like, well, at least that's probably what would happen. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things get fucking entry root wounds wrong. Yeah, that's a solid point too. You don't like entry root wound as a whole. It's the exit wound that's big and fucked up. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The exit, yeah, the exit wound is like where all the damage is at. Entrance is like the blip. It's a blip. So that didn't bug me at all. I thought the kind of fucking fucky <laughs> obvious CG yeah. worked for what they were doing. Yeah, and they did. They it didn't have good. to do it on that fucking fall though, bro. No, 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 no. That fall yeah. looked out of straight out of like late '90s TV compared to the rest of this fucking movie. Yeah, and it makes me wonder too. I mean, some of it was kind of like for. Poetic, and that's kind of where I'm getting at too. All right, this is what I wanted to say because of, of what we were talking about throughout, where you can kind of maybe read it as 
that Hannibal Lecter, Will Graham, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the series up to this point in the Hannibal series and the Red Dragon part of the series where they go over mm-hmm. together. So it was kind of like that a little bit. But what I think the bigger picture is, if you will, is how it ends with the kids down below. Right. And the one kid staying behind to film it on his fucking phone. Because that's how this film, and if you will, this whole story came about is because of Somebody what this kid's something. doing. Yeah. yeah. Somebody is becoming a voyeur. Somebody's filming it and becoming a participant by not by non participation. I mean, they're filming, so you, yeah. Mm-hmm. By by that, you are participating, but not doing he the action. He didn't push anybody off a of fucking that's what I'm saying. He's, roof. Yeah, and that's kind of where I think when I was saying, if you want to look at it from like a social commentary, it has some implications, and how much you want to read into it, it's entirely up to you if you even want to do that. But I think there is a little bit of that in this film. Like, like they are you're, you're saying still something. guilty just by watching. Right. And yes and no, you know, you, it, it does bring up some really interesting, like, ethical and moral questions, which mm-hmm. I think this film does throughout the film, you know, with these characters and some of the events that play out, like I was saying. We, we've already been talking about all this shit. But I think that's kind of what this film is doing a little bit. But I, I don't think they they put it in your face enough to where that's, like, the main theme or motif or, or any no, of that. No, no. It's just something that's cleverly kind of sewn in this film. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit weaved throughout. But, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, this film has enough to where you can have those conversations, but not enough to really warrant them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, I, I still appreciate it. Like, so you, it's a good film. It shows the strength they have. From what I understand, this is like one of the first major collaborations between like an Indonesian studio and a Japanese studio. Oh, cool. So that's really cool. And being that these guys were the ones who, you know, Mm -hmm. had a hand in that, it's really cool because uh, our history with them is kind of interesting. It's it's, it's one that we just kind of stumbled upon, Mm -hmm. you know, and... uh, Still talking about them for good reason. Still keeping our ear to the ground. Yeah, I mean any projects that either do or hopefully both together because I like when they work together. I've I've heard some good things about Headshot. I still am curious about VHS and mm-hmm. all these other projects we've we've brought up already. So yeah, I'm still keeping my ear to the ground on these guys. Still are going to eventually and catch up. Also, Joko Anwar. Yes, that list. yes, Joko Anwar. There's some good stuff coming out of Indonesia, folks. Um, you know, don't don't miss an opportunity. Check some other stuff out. Anytime that we seem unenthused about this movie, it's yeah. because these guys work at a good enough level <laughs> that, like... That we, we can, can s- kind of critique it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? It's not a negative thing. It's just, you know, it's it's not their strongest performance, but it's not a weak one either. No, no, not at all. Like, I, I'll recommend this movie to yeah. the right audience. Once again, to the right audiences. Exactly. Kind of have to say that about most horror movies, I feel. No, but. I, I think if you are, if you like solid, like, thrillers and a little bit of, like, the, the mystery element, but it's kind of pushing the envelope. Look, if somebody isn't ready to watch I Saw the Devil yet, here's the in-between. I think that's a good one. I haven't seen it yet. Chaser which I believe that is a Korean film. Mm. But I've seen that film be, yeah, I'm not okay. really compared, but kind of thrown in the same mix as I Saw the Devil and Killers now as like a film that 
can be a, a companion piece. Okay. Yeah, so that might be another one, too, to look out for. But, yeah, like I said, it's a, it was a fun film. It's another good entry into the our little Asian trip here. Which is now over. It is. We, we've come to an end of our, yeah, our, our adventure, our, our escapade, if you will, I suppose. But do we, we know next week for sure. We do. Do we know the next two weeks? Did we... No, but I know we've kind of intimated at certain things that we, we might be doing. Should perhaps. we double it up? I'm not opposed. All right, let's just say we know the next two weeks. Then. Okay, cool. Next week, Patreon only. Yeah, so jump on it. Remember, a dollar only, folks. As low well, as a dollar, I should say. As low as a dollar. As low as a dollar. Patreon only, you will get our reanimated episode, which had to be pushed a week so that we could finish our tour properly, but... Thanks to the holiday. That's right. We, we, we took a little detour. little detour. We will be looking at Wizard of Gore. Yeah. So we're back. The OG. Dude, that's going to be fun. However, the week after, we will be watching Wizard of Gore. <laughs> You're like, what? wait a minute. Didn't you just say that? Yes, you did. But Motherfucker got remade. Yeah. And it took us over 250 episodes. We're getting back to it. Very interesting. And uh, you know what? I'm actually looking forward to talking about it. It's going to be fun. I've never seen it. So I am excited because I know who's in it. Yeah, there's... uh, We'll definitely talk about it. (laughs) It's going to be fun. (laughs) But that's all I got for this time. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ads. So, with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>